Welcome to episode 10 of Wikimove. In this podcast, we discuss the future of the Wikimedia movement. I'm Nicole Eber and with me is Niki Zeuner. Hey, everyone. We are both part of Wikimedia Deutschland's movement strategy and global relations team. This episode was recorded on March 7th, 2023 at 1500 UTC. Things may have changed since we recorded this show, but what we still know is that by 2030, Wikimedia will become the essential infrastructure of the ecosystem of free knowledge, and anyone who shares our vision will be able to join us. Our home base is not only this podcast, but we also have a meta page and a web page, and all the relevant links are available in the show notes. On today's show, we will talk to two long-standing members of our movement about governance but not about global governance and the decision-making of organizations, but instead about the governance of the Wikimedia projects, particularly Wikipedia, because it is one project with the largest number of contributors. So in some of our previous episodes, guests from emerging communities pointed out how difficult it is sometimes for them to get started as newcomers in the projects. And we sort of felt that maybe the governance of Wikimedia projects maybe standing in the way of this pillar of our movement strategy, which is called knowledge equity. So our guests mentioned, among other things, that how their community struggles with IP blocks or how the notion of notability can uh, dif be different between the Global North and the Global South. And um, so today in our interview, we are trying to understand the reasoning behind these rules, how, how the projects are governed, And maybe what can be done to solve or to make it more um, welcoming and more easy to get into for, for newcomers from emerging communities. And our conversation today builds upon the notion in the strategic direction that we will remove technical and social barriers to participation. And there are, for example, two recommendations. Recommendation number seven, manage internal knowledge which also talks about onboarding newcomers and teaching them the rules of how to contribute to our projects and to Wikipedia. And then we have recommendation number nine, innovate in free knowledge. And that says that notability criteria can sometimes be seen as a barrier in accessing content and especially content related to underrepresented communities. And this should be addressed in the future. So we look very much forward to talking today to Florence Desbois and Martin Rolsch to hear about their perspectives on these issues and learn more from their experience. So Florence Desbois, I hope I'm not butchering your name, is currently the co-executive director of Cape Town-based Wiki in Africa Association. And Wiki in Africa Association is there to empower and engage citizens of Africa and its diaspora to collect, develop, and contribute educational and relevant content that relates to the theme of Africa under free license, and to engage in global knowledge systems by encouraging access to awareness of and support for open knowledge, the open movement, and the Wikimedia projects, and working in collaboration with like-minded organizations. So that's their mission statement. And we'll probably hear more about their work later in the show. Uh, Florence has done a whole bunch of other things. She's been a Wikipedian since February of 2002. She's a former steward. She's a former WMF chairwoman. She's a founding member of Wikimedia France. 
she was a Wikimedia in residence at the World Intellectual Property Organization. So a long list of things <laughs> she's done, and she's a, an icon of the movement. Um, she's uh, by training an agricultural science engineer. And uh, so I'm super happy to welcome Florence. Hi, where are you joining us from today? Hello, Nikki, and every, hello, everyone. So I'm joining from Marseille in France. Cool. I bet it's warmer there than here. Um, I was <laughs> it's there not few... flowing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have Martin, Martin Rolsch with us. He is a classical philog philologist and a project manager, and he has been volunteering on Wikimedia projects since 2005 in really various roles. For example, as a Wikimedia steward, he does administrative tasks like fighting global vandalism, and also he supports community governance and communications at various places. I will also say that he is a colleague, colleague of ours at Wikimedia Deutschland, but today he's joining us in his volunteer capacity. So, hi, Martin. Where are you calling in from today? Hello. I'm calling in from my home city, Berlin, <laughs> close to you. Um, and I look forward to the conversations. Yeah, we already we start with asking you the first question, uh, Martin, from Berlin to Berlin, so to say. So, when we did our prep conversation for this for this episode, you basically you did you introduce us to the term i mean you said actually i'm a functionary and yes that's that's actually the term these are volunteers that help govern wikipedia and its sister projects what kind of functionaries are there and what are their roles in general can you first talk a little bit about that sure I won't provide a complete list. <laughs> that would be actually too long. Um, nevertheless, um, just for um, and the listeners, uh, of course, you can add at Wikipedia. Um, so people would be called editors in that way. But there are also people who try to solve conflicts, delete articles and such. Um, uh, most of these people are called administrators. But beyond that level of administrators. Um, they are more people which we summarize as functionaries because they have special functions like checking um, IP addresses, um, assigning user rights, um, managing things on a local level or on a global level. And the one of the groups with the most functions um, on a global level are the Wikimedia stewards. And um, I'm happy to uh, help this group out for the last 15 years. Do you want to talk like two more sentences about the stewards? What kind of group is it? How many are there? Maybe that is also an interesting question. The Wikimedia stewards are a pretty small group of currently 33 people who have access to all functions, all user rights which exists on Wikimedia projects. However, they are not use, uh, allowed to use them at every moment. Um, they use and they are allowed to use them on smaller wikis. Um, they are um, called for emergency actions and they have a close contact to the Wikimedia Foundation and, and regular calls and such. So they help out on 
uh, every kind of governance which cannot be dealt with on a local level. So can I ask, so the stewards are all operating at the, at the global level, but the administrators are happening at the, are working at the level of language versions of Wikipedia or uh, geographic boundaries or how, how are they distributed? So we currently have about 900 Wikimedia projects. Not all of these are Wikipedias. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have sister projects. And local administrators are only elected to administer one of these projects. Okay. And we as stewards help out on the smaller wikis with not so many uh, administrators or take over more sensitive uh, functions and such um uh, on a, uh, on larger wikis and next task a lot of things to do um global activities so when you create a, an account for example on german wikipedia you also have an account on english wikipedia this is one global account and these cannot be handled on a local level but only by stewards on a global level gotcha okay all right back to you nicole yeah and i wanted to ask you um nikki referred to that in our introduction and we've been hearing about that from from other guests what are ip blocks can you try it uh, try to explain it in a way that i mean nikki and i understand it and ideally our listeners understand it as well so uh, while stewards handle accounts profiles which are created um to added Wikimedia projects, of course, people can still contribute to most of the projects without registration. And um, when they do this, their IP address, the number which is assigned their providers by their providers uh, to connect to the internet, and they use this IP address to add it. This one is saved in the article histories and um, it identifies the people um, with what they are doing. And um, of course, not only registered users can do bad things to um, the the open encyclopedia and the, the sister projects, but also people who do not register um, can uh, cause vandalism, can destroy uh, parts of articles and such, or um, harass people or whatsoever. And one of the uh, activities of functionaries like administrators and stewards is to prevent such vandalism by blocking either registered users or IP addresses, as we call them. Not locked in uses, IP addresses. Okay, so we'll talk later about how that could be a problem for for some people. I want to move over to Florence. So, talk a little bit about in the context of your work with with Wiki Africa. How do you deal with functionaries? You know, what role do functionaries play, and and sort of how do you um, work within this existing governance system that we have? Thank you, Nikki, for the question. So um, let me first give you a little bit of context of why I do need functionary. And I explain that because I'm myself a functionary. And as, as it was mentioned earlier, I'm a former steward. It was already quite a long time ago. 
I'm an admin on several projects, a bureaucrat, a translator, administrator, whatever. So in myself, I very rarely need any functionary because I can do the things by myself. That's the good part. But now here's the bad part of it, the, the problem we face. So I run this organization in Africa, and as part of this organization, we run global initiative in support of the Wiki Africa movement. So some of these initiatives are run, um, amongst others, there are, for example, the photographic contest, uh, Wiki Loves Africa. There's some mentorship program, such as Wiki Loves Women. So there are some tools, some the, such as the Easy Tool and so on. So it's a bunch of initiative. But the fact is, we are usually not confronted directly with the direct editors. Um, we do not train final people. We train, or finally in the sense, the last bit of editing, uh, right. participating contribute, uh, in contribution. The people we interact the most with are the future project leaders. So they are the Wikimedia user group. There are some chapters sometimes, and they are leaders that themselves organize activities in their own country. So our challenge is, it is not so much that we need the functionary. Our problem is that these, globe, these future leaders actually do need functionaries mm -hmm. because basically none of them are administrator, none of them are steward, none of them are a translator, administrator. They do not have these functions, none of them. Mm -hmm. And this is a topic we can discuss further. Mm -hmm. So my problem right now is that we try to uh, teach to get to uh, to teach future leaders to become global leaders, in particular African leaders and women leaders, and we need them to um, learn about all these tools and all these peoples and what they can ask from these people because they don't know when they start. So it's a. Uh, um, I will want to give you a couple of examples of why we would need uh, such functionaries support. There's the IP block that uh, uh, Martin mentioned early on. This is very frequent in Africa that people are actually blocked. And when these global leaders try to organize some editors, then they get some editors being blocked. In turn, they need to do to find a solution to, to fix that. A second example is that all of our projects are multilingual. So it's very important for us that the pages be translated and available to everyone. So we need some functionary, but this find, these leaders need to understand how translation works so that they can mm -hmm. get help and know how to, them, them, to do it themselves. And of course, the main, the main topic that comes back all the time is article deletion that comes for notability issues. So again, when these leaders organize editors with their uh, local teams, they want to be able to know what to do when they are confronted to deletion of text. Yeah, so yeah. my problem is that we need these people to get sufficiently informed about all these tools, where to get help, who to contact. And this is my, my primary challenge at the level of Wiki in Africa. I see. So you mentioned notability criteria, and that's, that's something I, I've heard in conversations with people from Africa, particularly. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about more, more about that. So um, what I heard, just paraphrasing at Wiki and Daba, is that notability criteria are just a huge pain because people, um, or let's say the implementation of them is, a, is painful to people because they create um, 
content about people they perceive to be notable and relevant. And then the administrators who are typically from the global north perceive that content to not be relevant and delete it. Um, so can you maybe talk from your experience a little bit more about what happens there and yeah. where this fresh frustration comes from? So the frustration comes from editors from Africa trying to edit in particular uh, big projects such as English Wikipedia or mm -hmm. French Wikipedia. Uh, this problem doesn't really exist when they edit local language Wikipedia, where they usually manage the space. So yeah. they, they don't face this problem much. Yeah. So when it comes to the English and French Wikipedia or Arabic Wikipedia, the rules have been set up already 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. They are very much ingrained. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem is not so much that the local administrator do not think that the content is relevant. The problem is that they are not, in most cases, able to check that this is these topics are notable. They don't. They can't find the sources. Yeah. So it's not a question of relevance. It's a question of verifiability. I see. And why does it come? It's simply because um, first, many of these cultures are still very much oral cultures, so not much is written. And second, because many of these countries still do not have a lot of their content available on the net. Mm -hmm. So sometimes the information actually might be available in books and, and completely good books, uh, relevant books and uh, trustworthy books, but only in books. And the books are only in local libraries. Mm -hmm. You can't find them. So you mm -hmm. cannot check if the information is proper. I so the, the, whole, the whole issue comes from there. It's not a question of relevance. It's a question of where do we find the secondary source that we can trust to check what you're writing? Of course, if you have been an editor for 15 years and have a good track record of editing and you try to do this, they will complain to you. They will say, hey, you wrote something and you did not provide secondary sources, you need to find a way to, to second what you wrote. And we usually find a path. We find a, a way to go forward. But when it comes to rather new editors with no track record, no reputation or low reputation, then they immediately hit the wall mm -hmm. because they do not understand the rules. They do not understand why what they are re writing is being questioned. So they feel offended very quickly. Um, they, there, are, there are some discussion around colonialism and, and so on. When the real issue is that number one, they don't have yet a reputation and number two, they can't be able to find sources mm -hmm. that can mm -hmm. be verified. That's the main issue. Yeah, so would it be, so let me, counter that by saying maybe then the way we have sourced knowledge from the global north and i know that's not a good term but for lack of a better term in the established communities in um, countries with lots and lots of documented uh, sources so this way maybe does not work for gathering encyclopedic knowledge in uh, in countries of the global south so do the rules need to change or or what what do we do because incomes movement strategy and we say knowledge equity everybody should be able to share and contribute in the sum of all knowledge yet 
our rules um, prohibit that, basically, because we don't have sources. Yeah, and that's complicated because uh, I fear that in 20 years, the rules have proved to be quite solid and effective. Thanks to these rules, this is why most of the world now believe in our uh, believe us to be a trustworthy source in uh, in a notion of <laughs> fake news and uh, old right. outdated news and all. So we build our quality thanks to these rules. Mm-hmm. So it's very difficult to move away from them and to abandon them because of this. So we, we need to find ways and maybe the ways uh, will not come so much from us changing the rule, but from us creating more opportunities to have access to these local uh, sources. So maybe uh, we have been talking a lot about oral sources. It seems to be getting nowhere. I've been hearing about oral sources for 15 years now. <laughs> I haven't seen anything efficient uh, be set up. So I, I don't I don't know if it's the right move. But there's also the question of um, uh, how can we also help all the... Um, all the the institutional structures in Africa to actually make sure that the resource they have is also available on the net Mm -hmm. or is is more available. Um, Many of the museums do not have anything about their uh, content on the net at the moment. It's only locked in their their museum. So maybe one path might be to work better, uh, to work more with these structures and help them unlock these resources to make them accessible to others so that we can in turn create some sources for us. So it might be a path, but I'm I'm not so sure myself that the rules need to be changed. I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan. Mm-hmm. Some of them mm-hmm. might be refined, but <laughs> Martin looks like he has an opinion. Martin, do you wanna do you wanna add to this? This dilemma that we're facing? Well, um it's always good to uh assume good faith for all people involved. So um, stewards and uh, other functionaries, local administrators, usually not intend to block, get uh, the good people out. And usually there are reasons why things have to be done. So um, we as functionaries have to find a balance between protecting the site from abuse vandalism, harassment and such, and um, providing uh, um, helping hands for for newbies. And of course, we need tools for that because of the sheer amount of um, things which go on. And um, if we look at the IP blocks, There's another inequity here. So in uh, our countries, we, with much more computers and such, um, IP addresses move to IP version 6, which means more or less each one of us has one particular IP assigned to their computer. However, in other countries, um, especially in African countries, IP addresses are not assigned one by one, but for networks, for groups of people. So, and if one of them does the wrong thing, we we as functionaries or stewards don't have the right tools to say, you're out, but the rest is in. And 
the, the, the this kind of um so it blocks a whole bunch of people yeah, instead of just yeah. one person yeah so yeah. and sadly this um changes um uh, gets worse over time um there's a lot of things like also privacy related initiatives which try to hide ip addresses and to make it more difficult to identify who is actually doing things but we have to know to stop those who do harm to the projects so we have to find the right mechanism mm -hmm. um, to uh, through tools to to stop this that one which is a problem and to to help out those who uh, innocently get affected by activities so that sounds like a technical barrier right mostly or a technical issue let's say um that i'm not saying that makes it solvable but it's it's more a technical issue than a social issue or, or an issue of governance yeah we have various uh things here so uh, we have these technical challenges and of course uh, most of them are known my colleague ray uh greetings um has published a nice uh series on the div blog uh, about ip um, blocks and proxies and all the things which cause these problems in particular in African countries like Nigeria and Ghana um, so this is one thing technology um, but also uh, we, we have to look at the social part of the movement and as Florence, Florence has said she wants to bring people into such functions when I checked where stewards actually came from, from the 140 stewards which served the global community, zero are from sub-Saharan Africa. So one might say, okay, the, where stewards are doing just um, serving the community, uh, using the tools and such. So it's... Um, doesn't matter much where they come from because the policies are um, very strict, what we can do and what not. Um, but of course, the, this is not a equal distribution of people. And policies are always, you know, up for interpretation and, and there's always an individual choice and a judgment and an action that an individual will take. At least some understanding at least some understanding of the situation. So thanks to Florence um, uh, who uh, raised up this topic on uh, our internal mailing lists. Um, uh, some stewards considered, um, reconsidered how to interpret these rules, guidelines, so that the balance is shifted a bit more towards um, those who have good intentions from those to have bad uh, intentions. And yes, this is, so we, we have to find this kind of checks and balances here as well. I'm, I'm glad to hear I had a little impact there. <laughs> it's very <laughs> nice. Uh, on, yeah, we, we had a long, long, long discussion related to this IP block situation and the stewards. And uh, some time ago, there were the new steward elections, so reconduction of old steward and candidacy from new steward. And I thought, 
I would point out this to uh, all my newcomers and thinking that they should learn about the different functionary and, and get a better sense of this. And uh, I got some people asking me if they could actually be candidate to become steward. And of course, I had to say, well, there are some criterias and you first need to have been there a long time, for a long time, have lots of experience. And then you need to be uh, more or less, yes, right, Martin? But um, you also need to be an admin. I mean, you, you need to have a certain reputation somewhere, somehow. And then that's the thing I faced. None of the people I was talking with were admins. And, and they are probably very far from ever becoming an admin. Maybe they will become an admin on their local language, but I'm not sure that will really be a proof of their uh, you know, skills and reputation when it comes to be elected as a steward. They need to be elected on a, on a big wiki to, make, to, to, to establish this reputation. Mm. And uh, we are facing the situation where none of them are. And that's more tricky than the steward situation because admin can actually have a deeper understanding of what is going on locally and they can intervene or uh, explain or justify or make it smoother for when people are rejected, uh, in particular on Wikipedia, when they submit an article and this article is rejected because of supposedly lack of notability, they can help. So that the first the first step before becoming a steward needs to start early on. Right. And even before becoming an admin, there's a whole bunch of other roles, other functionary roles that are easier to access with, much easier to access with. And they could start by this little step, baby step by baby step. Mm -hmm. But they have no idea. They, they have no idea of this. So they, they need to, uh, to have an acquisition of skills on that matter. Sorry, Nicole, but I, I keep getting down this rabbit Go hole. Ahead. Go ahead. I see. Um, if I understand you correctly, to become an admin and a steward or a functionary, it is as much a matter of skills, which can be learned, but it's also a matter of reputation and maybe number of edits. Um, I don't know. Something that's very, it's very hazy to me. How, how do you, how you get to that point, but I'm wondering how much of that can be addressed. So if we want to increase the number of, of functionaries and we want to increase the number of functionaries from emerging communities, how much of this sort of, onboarding skill building can be addressed through through training and how much is sort of a social thing that you just need to work your way through it's training it's um social experience it's behavior and it's actually a lot of editing so that yeah. you get the essence so that you the all these rules you may not know all the rules because there are so many rules now that it's impossible to know all of them mm -hmm. and i will never claim to, that i do um but you need somehow to get the concept the essence of the rule yeah. to understand where this comes from and as long as you do not have this completely uh, in your body then you cannot really reasonably uh, mm -hmm. ask to be an admin and, and be and mm -hmm. be recognized mm -hmm. as such and Behavior, of course, uh, trying to, you know, be helpful, um, do all the legwork, um, be polite, be friendly. Yeah. There are all these things. So it's right. it's a bunch of reasons. Wow. So we've built something really complicated, and now it's. Uh, let me be a little bit provocative. It's not 
it's not helping us at this point to to maintain the number of functionaries and diversify. Martin. <laughs> well, and you really would want to do this kind of job. Yeah, it doesn't sound like something I would want to do. <laughs> so um, you, you, yeah. you're not writing um, articles, you're not creating content, um, which might be way mm. more visible than doing things in the background. Yeah. Um, so there's the challenge of you have to know all the the horrible stories from the past 15 to 20 years. We too, Florence and I have um, the good thing that we have these years uh, lived through. Uh, and you, you have to bring some technical background, as mostly for steward activities. And nowadays, you have to mm -hmm. bring some reputation. And I really think this is one of the most problematic things because whenever we look at also global elections or I don't know, the UCC things, tens of percents are still coming from the top five um, projects by uh, article size and by number of users. So it's like who participates in such elect elections. But I wouldn't say that in, in the perfect world, um, it shouldn't be a solution to elect people to a position just to change things. Um, so maybe we can, then, you know? I can, yeah, I'm going to ask <laughs> that question now to um, move us a little bit from the challenges towards the solutions. So what you're describing is really like, a governance crisis um, in our movement and in the like functionaries world. Um, how do we how do we get out of this crisis that you're describing? There's what a big a big silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, million dollar question. Yeah, million dollar question. Still, I think there is a challenge we have not mentioned, uh, Nicole. Uh, it's a tricky one. Okay, we can go so, back to the challenges if we then... Yeah, uh, we go back to the challenge and then immediately you go, we go to the solution. <laughs> immediately we go to the solution. No, uh, yet another challenge is that there are people all the time who are actually growing, right? Uh, uh, getting more experience, having some tech background, understanding languages, beginning to understand the Wikimedia strategy because they read all those documents. So they're getting there. And this is exactly the moment where we think, okay, we are going to maybe recruit new functionaries. Um, uh, this person might be interested in doing the site notice thing. Uh, just an example, because we are dropping volunteers there. So maybe they might be interested. But what happened is that they somehow get recruited to join other positions. So they might be recruited as staff member of Wikimedia Foundation because they become visible and the Wikimedia Foundation is all the time trying to recruit people. Or they might be recruited to various committees, the UCOC and uh, all, all those committees we hear about regularly. And all the, the, the time they could have dedicated to these less visible but so important roles is lost because all of a sudden they were doing a little bit of it and up they are gone entirely swallowed by by other organ by, by other projects. So that's that's the last challenge I would 
mention because all the time we try to train people to get them, you know, to get them there and all of a sudden it's gone. So now solutions. Yes, yeah, suddenly hmm. the, the, the hand and act problem. Yeah, so <laughs> training <laughs> new firing. trainers uh, and such solutions. Yeah, solutions. Uh, um, I'd love us to spend less time on uh, uh, no, I, sorry, I shouldn't say that to you, but it's the, the amount of time we spend on strategy in the past few years. You're doing it right has, now. <laughs> yeah, we are doing it right now, but we're not doing only strategy. We are practical strategy at the moment. But yeah, we needed the strategy to be established. That was super mm. important. I'm very happy with all the work that was done. And and thank you very much for Wikimedia Dutchland for really being um, you know, a moving force there. But there's also a balance to find between the, the amount of time and energy we spend on the theoretical um, strategy and, and the practical things to get the organization uh, working. And um, I remember a couple of years ago, we were just during maybe the, the pandemic, we were swallowed in a collection of surveys. Do you remember that time? We were receiving about 10 surveys per week. It was terrible. <laughs> on, all the different, on all the different topics, right? Not only movement uh, strategy. Oh, no, no. The... So many topics. Everybody thought we can't meet face-to-face -face again, so we are going to do stuff online. Let's do surveys. And we were drawn <laughs> under surveys. And so, yeah, it's exactly this problem. We need to identify the elements that are currently swallowing so much too much time maybe from people so that they can regain work and, and get to see all these, these other tasks we need to take care of. So there's the really thinking about balance, activity balance. Yeah, I can only agree to this. So um, what, what goes through my mind is like um, getting better on internal knowledge. Um, we have to find uh, good ways to document all the struggles which were so that we don't have to repeat uh, the mistakes from earlier years um, and to also reduce the workload on those who are already the, uh, here for a long time so i'm, I'm spending nowadays my, my time as a steward mostly like this rule developed with these intentions because of that and they're now like this and you interpret it uh, now that way but originally what is what was intended to be like that and it's like a lawyer you're, you're <laughs> like an attorney in court Inter in, yeah interpretation <laughs> of of rules and such so um having this knowledge at hand uh, is also one step and um, from my group, I can say that for the stewards, that uh, there is still room for improvement on this, also with internal governance. But this also means everywhere you increase governance, you re remove people from doing other things. So stewards are there to protect the, the, the pages. Uh, the global pages and there are a lot of things to do global spam bots and um, file sharing on our platforms etc etc things which often don't reach the public uh, which are handled by stewards level but who can help us to develop as a group um, we could nowadays we mostly do this by ourselves so some people 
like myself, um, try to help out on this. Others um, are doing outreach like this, talking about the situ situation. But while I'm doing this, I cannot help people in their problems in Africa. I cannot respond uh, respond to all the um, emails we get from people who were affected by one of the blocks. So I, I can't even talk to the Wikimedia Foundation at the same time. Can you provide us some technical solutions? Um, I don't. There is some support from Wikimedia Foundation for groups like stewards setting up monthly meetings, etc. But the internal governance is mostly shaped still um, by volunteers. Um, Martin, can I have a can I ask a, a follow-up question? We haven't talked about this question in our prep, but maybe you have ideas about this because we talked now a lot about managing internal knowledge and there's also the question of like leadership development how do we grow new functionaries or people who take on more responsibility than just editing um what role could affiliates uh, affiliates probably play in that you know could they i don't know provide su i mean provide support is that even something that functionaries would want you know because there's a lot of uh the notion of independence and so on, but but still, I mean, what could affiliates do to support that, if at all? Well, once again, the hand-act problem. <laughs> um, um, if we take ourselves out for more trainings, we cannot do the things like this. It's um, if we are already all overworked and we don't have time to find new people. So how can we manage this? And this is really a problem. We have this um, visible and, and taken to uh, the public with um, creating articles and such. But I have the observation that the struggles within governance are much more um, concerning than and the other ones, you can write articles the next couple of years, but if there's no one in the backgrounds who, who can actually help you understand the um, policies, help newbies and such, it's a problem. And of course, and I'm hearing pretty well what, what you imply, the visibility of such groups also within the movement has to increase. So it's not only counting edits, I, I know how to, to push a button and make 10,000 edits on our media ar archive on Wikimedia Commons. We'll put that into Hooray. the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this, but isn't it more, way more important to maybe spend an hour to explain things to people to multiply effects? Nobody will do this. I, I got also feedback on my um, steward confirmation with stewards are uh, open for confirmations once per year. It's like, you didn't do, I'm counting your steward activities and you did just these and that. I said, I did some more hundreds which are not logged publicly because of this uh, seriousness of the things I'm doing. There are tons and tons of activities uh, beyond that, like writing reports or we, we created um, um, a Wikimedia affiliate user group and to to organize uh, better towards Wikimedia Foundation asking about grants and such which also takes time but this is not visible how can we make this actually visible I, and, and I see Florence has an idea on that 
I don't know if it's an idea, but I, <laughs> I, I wanted to mention that you are in a very specific situation because the work being done by Stuart is so sensitive that you, you have to be hidden. So that, that's a problem that face your groups in particular, but it's not so much the, the problem of the other groups. Other functionaries have a work that is completely visible, but is not somehow, there are, there are not always tools that allow to quickly check what is the, the work being done by a type of functionary. And Nicole, you were asking what, how could affiliates help? I have a suggestion. In some cases, um, some, uh, somebody dedicating time to do a, a bond raising uh, to clean up a space. Uh, I will want to give you the, the example of the translation. Translation is absolutely not sensitive, data sensitive. It's entirely public activity. It's super useful uh, to the community because we want, uh, if we want equitable equity in, in the activity, we need things to be translated. But yet, if you look at the pages dedicated, the dashboard dedicated to translation, it is a disaster. It's outdated. The links are broken. The information is not valid. The tools is super broken. So maybe and nobody is going to by herself or himself take on this task. So maybe it needs to be a dedicated project from one affiliate to say, hey, next year, let's do a big cleanup there. Let's do a big cleanup together. And this is not work that is being taken on the time of the translator administrator. This is somebody from the affiliate, a group of volunteers, maybe led, had, helped with a staff person, but at least take an area and clean it up entirely. That would be one of my propositions nice. to fix this mess. Okay, so chapters out there, <laughs> yeah. affiliates out there, here's your job Please, for you. Come join. Write a grant to the Wikimedia Foundation and do this. <laughs> well, not really, it's actually when people show up and say how we have problems with this, this or that, then things can change. I mean, we, we all started with a blank page, more or less, and noticed, oh, there are right-to-left languages. Um, maybe you should uh, adjust our design also to make it uh, possible for them. Um, of course, uh, there are various more topics like this where people say, okay, I'm, I'm, I cannot change this, and that I'm in Africa, and there are these kind of peer-to-peer -peer proxies, but they're has to be a solution now. And they want to do good things, stewards want to do a good thing, and there needs, needs to be some support. And I think that affiliates who, who are tackled with these struggles can definitely help on, on small levels and for the larger levels, there, there has to be some support also from Wikimedia Foundation. Yeah, with the caveat that, uh, except for a couple of ones, most of the African user group are actually very small, so they don't have a lot of volunteer time. There are a few exceptions, but most of them, they, they have already so much to do because they are brand new. And contrary-wise to many of the older groups, they have an influx of newcomers that is completely amazing. So their challenge right now is to actually welcome all these new people and try to you know, orient them get them in, involved the way is the best. Um, the other challenge, uh, the other not challenge, solution to a challenge, Nicole, that I would like to raise following what I said earlier on about the notability rules. I think 
the path of Wikipedia residents working in cultural institutions in Africa is really super important. And it might be extended to Wikipedia in residents working in the media space. So we know it's more murky because they might get into conflict of interest or whatever. But still, if there are any, any ways we could actually improve uh, the visibility of the content that is being published even on paper in Africa would be helpful. So this Wikipedia in residence solution really need to be uh, expanded, I think, to try to solve this. That's excellent. And that's, that could also be another topic maybe for a future podcast is to shine more light on, on the potential of, of those programs, I think. Yeah. So we got some solutions. We talked about leadership development, internal knowledge management. We talked about what affiliates could do. We talk about Wikimedians in residence. Um, what we know is something needs to happen. Otherwise, you know, our system will break and it won't be, it won't be able to just take all the, the new people that we're at the same time, you know, so enthusiastically inviting. Um, so thanks for shining a light on these issues. We'll, we'll continue to talk about this. Um, we'll continue to invite more people to, to also share their perspective on it. Um, in the interest of time, we now have to call this a wrap. Thank you guys so much. That was I learned so much today. And I've been working at an affiliate for 10 years. <laughs> and I still had a, a big learning today. So thanks, uh, Florence, and thanks, um, Martin, for your time today. And I'll call that a wrap. It's a wrap of the 10th episode of Wikimove. Thanks for listening. Um, Nicole, you want to read us out? Yeah, Wikimove is a production of Wikimedia Deutschland and its movement strategy and global relations team. Eva Martin pulls all the strings in the background so that Nikki and I can create that excellent content with our guests. Our music was composed and produced by Rory Gregory and is available under a Creative Commons license, CC by SA, on Wikimedia Commons, of course. And thank you very much to our wonderful guests, Florence and Martin. Ach, Quatsch, Florence and Martin. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Nicole It's and Nikki. been a, really a pleasure talking to you. And I can only second also what Nikki said. I've had a lot of uh, many epiphanies, like, and I finally understood what IP blogs are and so on. And I learned a lot. Thank you. <laughs> We release thank new episodes much. every month. Visit our Wikimove meta page to listen to previous episodes, to react to our podcast, connect with other listeners, and subscribe to always be notified of our new episode releases. You can also contact us at wikimove at wikimedia.de to continue this discussion and share your suggestions for next episodes. Bye bye. Ciao for now. Tschüssi. And au revoir. Au revoir.